0: this week um jen is taking a little break this weekend mom's visiting and she's kind of overwhelmed so we being my fiance and i decided this would be a great opportunity to try to practice our own podcast we've been talking about trying to start one and this seemed like a great opportunity so um, as you probably know and remember i'm malia and my fiance is going to introduce himself
1: hi y'all i'm ben
0: yeah so um we've been watching this tv series and um we figured that that's the thing that we would talk about because we just finished the first season it is on amc and amc plus and it's only six episodes long um so if any of you out there have amc plus accounts or want to do like a little one month subscription i like for free or whatever i highly recommend the free trial
1: we accessed AMC Plus through Amazon Prime Video.
0: <laughs> you sound so awkward.
1: What's up with that? In.
0: Yeah, um, you can get it through Amazon Prime, um, but you have to like pay extra. You know what I'm saying? So you could do like the one month free. We tried to do that, and then we <laughs> failed. So um, just binge it instead of doing what we did, which was move across the state and take the bar. What? No i'm <laughs> looking my fiance may or may not be uh, microphone shy <laughs> which i didn't expect um but yeah so we're gonna go ahead and talk about it i don't think i told you what the show is called the show is called dark winds yeah it's based on um a series of novels written by this guy named tony hillerman so tony hillerman like was he was like a really big thing in like the 70s and stuff like if he writes, you know, like dad books.
1: Ask your dad.
0: Yeah. Your dad knows your dad knows who Tony Hillerman is because my dad who knew who Tony Hillerman was um, and like, I knew he really liked him. And so when a new Tony Hillerman book would come out, I tried to buy it for him, but he would like already fucking bought it like for Christmas or whatever. Um, so that's especially
1: Western dads,
0: Western dads. And in particular, my dad's from New Mexico and um, Tony Hillerman's books are based on the Navajo Reservation um in and in between New Mexico and Arizona um and so there's a lot of just like resonance for someone um living in that area and growing up around the time my dad did um and going to college around the time my dad did um so these are police novels detective stories um and they center around two Police officers in particular. Um, one of the cool things is that it's not like the New Mexico police or the Arizona police. They're um Navajo police officers. They're the they, tribal police. Right. They're tribal police, they work for the tribe. Um, and so the the main one, his name is Joe Lee porn. Um and eventually he like kind he doesn't exactly well, maybe he retires. Eventually he gets more into a like, I'm too old for this shit kind of job. And Jim Chi takes over more so i've read two of these books of course i don't remember exactly which ones i've read because there are a shit ton of them um but
1: i'll say that on the show so far lee porn is is too old for the shit <laughs> but he is not he's not letting go of their ends and he's not letting Jim cheat take over yet
0: right so i so i read sacred clowns um okay. and i think another one but i don't remember and in that it was more like Leap Horn is, like, at headquarters, whatever. Like, Jim Cheese the one running around, like, almost dying a whole bunch of times. Awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's you learn a lot about the Navajo. You learn a lot about the FBI and how the federal government relates to the tribes. Um, you learn a decent dish amount about some various uh, Native American tribes that live in that area. Um, the show doesn't mostly is just based on the Navajo, but the book I remember reading, for instance, Sacred Clowns, um, is based on crimes that happen on a Hopi reservation. And I'm not really sure why (laughs) the Navajo police are on the Hopi reservation, but there's probably some deal that they have with each other.
1: Probably like that Joe Leaporn is the man... And like all the other tribes are like, oh, my gosh, we got a real serious problem. Better call Jolie porn and his crew.
0: Jolie porn is the man. You're going to like see these like lists of detectives um as you're going around whenever life, some sort of like before det- you die. I don't know why I've seen these. I've seen these lists where they're like, oh, yes,
1: they might jump out at you.
0: Hercule Poirot and Sherlock Holmes and Peter Whimsey or whatever the fuck his name is. And like Jolie porn is on that list. And I've seen his name on that list. And I get excited every time. So now you two will get excited for this grumpy, curmudgeonly Diné man.
1: Anti, um, anti-colonial? Decolonial? Yes. What's the word? And, yes. Good. Good.
0: <laughs> Good man. Um, but yeah, if I'm trying to figure out um, what... I don't remember which... Here, okay. I'm going to look up more about the TV show... And Ben's going to tell you a little bit about the Navajo because I can't remember.
1: We're doing it live. Okay. Exactly
0: what happened. Y'all, this is a test run, so it's fine.
1: Yeah. Well, so I wanted to talk to y'all about the Indians we call the Navajo, right? Um, Do you
0: want to explain why you're saying the word Indian for oh. all the people that just like clutch their pearls?
1: I the hope no one's clutching their pearls. Indians say Indian. some. And that's why I say Indian. So some
0: Native American people use the term Indian and think that it's weird that people are weird about it. I think that it's confusing because there's a whole bunch of people who are called Indian who live on a subcontinent and they were Indians first. And that is confusing.
1: They were Indians. They were
0: Indians first, babe.
1: That makes sense.
0: And, um, but especially in the legal context, it's called Indian law. Um, there's some shifts to calling it tribal law or native American law, but a lot of, like Ben said, a lot of Indians call themselves Indian and it's, Weird and complicated. But, I mean, if you are Native American and you're like, fuck you, don't call me Indian, like, you can tell yeah, us.
1: please let us know.
0: Yeah, we're sorry.
1: But, yeah, I, I feel like if you say Navajo 12 times, people know you're not talking about the subcontinent. Uh-huh. So it's not ambiguous at that point.
0: Although, there's a joke on the show at one point, sort of, where uh, a white guy says that somebody looks like a Native American Elvis or, like, an Indian Elvis, and the Navajo character talking to him says like Elvis was Indian and I kind of thought that he meant like Indian not Native American. No. But it turns out that babe, Elvis I- was maybe like a 16th Cherokee. I thought that was the joke was that he was like parting me
1: because the thing is <laughs> like, in 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 an Indian context Indian never means subcontinent. Do you know what I mean?
0: Sure, but they exist. <laughs>
1: I understand right that. Next. Wait, I think. I think one thing is like this show is set in the seventies, right? We it was a le- much less globalized world back then. Y- if you didn't go to USC, you hadn't met an Indian. You know what I mean? Um, or if you weren't British, I guess, or whatever. You know. Yeah. So, and it's I. I know so many Indian people today. N- nothing but respect for them and their culture and their country. Um, but let me tell you about the the Navajo Nation. Or may I say, the Diné, I'd like to say the Diné for the rest of this podcast, because while we do call them the Navajo, and the signs will say the Navajo, Navajo is the name that the Tewa Pueblo Indians gave them and told Western settlers for them. But the the people themselves who live on the Navajo Reservation call themselves Diné, which basically means the people in their language. Um, they're a group of migrants who moved from Western Canada 700 years ago, um, and settled in the Four Corners region, you know, like Northeast Arizona, Northwest New Mexico, Southern Utah. Um, and like many tribes with other nations, they have an, a interesting legal status vis-a-vis the federal government where, they share, the federal government and tribal authorities share jurisdiction over criminal activities. And that's going to be one of the major themes in this series. But the DNA themselves, um, agriculturalists, the largest tribe with the largest reservation in the American reservation system. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about their culture with you all on this podcast.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing we should have mentioned earlier, but that I will mention now is that, um, we really want all of you to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to try to keep the first part of our conversation spoiler free. And we will like have like a definitive break where we're like, okay, now we're going to talk about all the shit that goes down in vivid mm-hmm. detail. So, um, yeah, you're, you're safe until we tell you you're not. Yeah.
1: And you know what? Malia's going to edit in a timestamp now, or maybe in a voiceover at the beginning of the episode where she says when you can skip, when you should stop listening for sure, if you don't want to hear the spoilers.
0: Yeah, Ben doesn't know about my editing, y'all. So <laughs> it's a thing with Jenny. So Jenny never listens to our show, but she's convinced that I'd literally never edit anything out of it. Um, and so it's kind of become a running gag that I never edit anything out of the show, which isn't true, but we'll see. Um, There will definitely be a clear, we will definitely be clear.
1: Yeah, well, I'll be like, shh.
0: Or something like less...
1: You should edit that out.
0: Horrible to your ears. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> when we... If we do make a podcast, I've told Ben that he needs to edit it.
1: I know, but uh, for this one, she needs it. But I'm doing
0: it because we have to get this out to the people. Um, So a little bit about this TV show. Again, it's on AMC and it's called Dark Winds. Interestingly, um, The Dark Wind is the name of a novel... From this Theory. series, but it's not the novel that this season is based on. Um, the Dark Wind is the fifth novel. Don't tell me. I it. believe.
1: Don't tell me too much about it. We'll I that.
0: haven't looked up anything about it. Um, there was a there was another adaptation called The Dark Wind uh, that I think was like a it was a f- movie they made in ninety one. Um, okay. About it, but yeah. So
1: the and can we, can we talk about the cast a bit?
0: Well first i want to just say that this season is based off of listening woman um which is the third novel in this series and skimming over the summary like yeah it's it it seems pretty close like the characters the crime that sort of thing are all kind of portrayed it's not like a very loose thing it's like oh yeah they're mentioning so the characters this isn't in the, the show.
1: beginning of Horn's life this is in the middle of his k- journey
0: um yeah, I think that...
1: Is, do you think Listening Wins is when Chi Chim- was introduced?
0: I think that might be true.
1: Okay. And then maybe that really changed the series, because, you know, a lot of times that that kind of energy with the partner kind of character can really change the track of it.
0: Right. Like a mentee partner-ish sort of a type mentee, of thing. Yeah. yeah, I think that she was introduced in Listening Woman. Cool. Or maybe he wasn't... Just kidding. She is not in listening woman. She's in people of darkness, the fourth novel in the series.
1: <laughs> so they're kind of playing a little fast and loose with the canon, but that's fair. Cause Jeez. she's such a fun character. They oh really my had God. To put him in here. He's so great. Well, and I, I actually, I'm curious about how that really works out with how you looked at the Wikipedia summary, but I can't really ask you about that without getting into spoilers. So I'll save that for the spoiler section. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So like we said, the main character is Joe Leaphorn. Um, And he's played... Do you know what tribe that actor is from? Did we look this up?
1: No, I want to do... That was a question I had, like how representative it. But I can run through the cast real quick. Yeah. Right? So, well, not the cast, but the characters. So while Malia's looking up, you know, how authentic these representations actually are, I'll talk about the characters. So basically, you got Lieutenant Leaphorn, who's like the head cop, grizzled veteran. He really cares about the people on the reservation, And he wants to bring people to justice to protect them, you know, and get closure for them when they need it. Right. You got uh, Bernadette Manuelito, maybe a sergeant, definitely some his 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 subordinate. Um, She's awesome. Total badass. I love her. She wears bell bottoms. She's super hot. She makes it work. Yep. Malia says she's super hot. I agree. (laughs) Uh, Awesome character. Uh, And then there's Jim Chi and Jim Chi comes in. And he's wearing a suit. He's a city slicker. And you're all <laughs> like, does this guy, he looks Indian, but you know, I think everyone kind of sizes him up as like the Indian equivalent of an Oreo. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, but fry bread, he looks like he fry bread is what that is. I
0: mean, I don't know. That was just a kind of guess. Okay. Um, but the, he does have a cool car.
1: He's a really cool car. All, everyone has cool cars, but his car is pretty cool. His car is so cool that it'd probably be illegal nowadays. <laughs> what? They don't sell them anymore.
0: Okay, describe the car.
1: It's black and white and fast. And it has two doors.
0: It looks like a car from the front and it looks like a truck from the back. It's really confusing. Oh, no, sorry.
1: You're right. He's got an El Camino. It's badass. <laughs> I forgot. No, he's got an El Camino. It's, it's wonderful. It's a black and white El Camino with a stripe down the hood. Um, an El Camino, for those who don't know, it's... A muscle car in the front with a pickup truck in the back. They sold them in the 70s. They don't sell them anymore because they were too cool that they had to ban them. Um, but I dream of a future where we have small trucks and car trucks and all that.
0: Um, there's also Lee Leaphorn's wife, Emma, who figures prominently. Yeah,
1: I think we can talk about that. But maybe like, so, OK, so do you want to just talk into like the, talk about the first episode before the spoiler mark? Because I feel like that kind of sets things up.
0: Yeah, I don't want to do the the one twist
1: though that I think we learned in but the first the episode. Is like, I feel like if you start talking about Emma, you want to talk about like other characters Emma interacts with. And that's kind of setting up the first episode.
0: Um, yeah, like but you know the, the the twist.
1: We'll we will edit this out. So what's the twist?
0: About Jim Chi.
1: Right. We don't want to tell people that. Right. Until after the spoilers.
0: I mean, I was just sort of thinking, yeah, his
1: wife Emma. I don't think we should I don't think we need to give the whole cast characters. Okay. I think mean, they can get into that into that right
0: Those three are the main three. Um, so Joe is played by Zan McLernan, McLarnan, McLarnan, McLaren. Um, his father was slash maybe is um like Irish, and his mother um is Lakota, so he's a member of the Lakota tribe. I think a. I'm seeing Hunk Papa Lakota. Um,
1: So it's fair to say that it's an inauthentic casting.
0: I think that they cast actual indigenous Native American people, um, but I don't think these people are all Navajo.
1: For instance,
0: um, Jim Chi is played by Kiawa Gordon, who is... um, Kiawa? Hualapai.
1: Oh, I thought Kiawa was a kind.
0: Um, Of Indian. A tribe, babe. You said tribe. Okay, sorry. Um...
1: Is it Hualapai? I
0: don't know, but yeah, he's um, Hualapai.
1: Where, where are they from?
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, Northern Arizona. It, so that's pretty close. That is
1: pretty close. But it's interesting because like the Diné are the largest tribe, most populous tribe in America. And so it's kind of curious that they went with other tribes, that they couldn't have found people there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I I sort of see how, I mean, it's it, it's better than like having some white people do it.
0: Right. And then um, Bernadette
1: Manuelito
0: yeah. is played by Jessica Matten, and she's Canadian. Um, so shout out to all our Canadian listeners. We love y'all. Um, so yeah, she's First Nations, and she's a member. Where did it go? Um, she is of Red River Matis them, okay, Metis, and the I think Salto Cree tribes.
1: My understanding of the Metis people. Is there like similar to like m- like uh, Mexicans in a sense of like they're like a mixed people from like French settlers and natives, I want to say. So it's interesting that they, they made her Manuelito, like a Hispanic, you know, mm-hmm. because she's like sort of like the Canadian Hispanics. Don't command me on that. But you just did because it's on the recording. So it's
0: it's, it's out, out there for everyone now. Bit.
1: Yes, because again, Me- I, I think, don't fucking. I think Metis people are the same it. thing as Mexicans, but French.
0: That's fascinating, babe. <laughs> yeah, well, I think she, I said she's also Cree, so um, yeah, and it, they speak Dene on the show, or they see. Right. I mean, we I don't speak Dene, so it's not super clear.
1: They often use subtitles, but not always. Right when we're supposed to know what they're saying, they give us subtitles. Right.
0: And, I mean, I felt like that was really nice. I mean, it's just, you know, if this was made 20, 30 years ago, they probably would have, like, made up words or not. And, you know, they wouldn't have necessarily cast um, Indigenous actors. And so it's really, I mean, I just, I love the show for a lot of reasons. But, um, yeah. They also seem to be somewhat on location. Um, There's a scene that Ben and I have actually been to the place that they were at. So they, they filmed a scene where they were in a chapel um in Santa Fe, in the Loreto Chapel. And I we don't think that was necessarily where they were supposed to be. I think they were supposed to be in Flagstaff. Universe. Yeah.
1: Because I think every, every other time they go to a city in the show, they go to Flagstaff. Right. Um and they only and then they go to a town which is Gallup, which may be uh, right off the reservation, but
0: yeah, that's in New Mexico, I think. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, so they go both ways. But they never go as far as Santa Fe fan the show.
0: Right. They never mention it or anything. Um, but it was really, it was exciting being
1: like, oh, I've been there. Even besides that, um, there's some of the most amazing scenery you're going to see in a show this season. Mm-hmm. Because they're shooting in the American Southwest like it's meant to be shot. You know, they didn't just go to a desert in California for this. They really went to, I think, Navajo country.
0: Right. It's beautiful and um the sets are so interesting and you really get a sense of how
1: different people in the
0: reservation live um and work and it's yeah or
1: at least lived because it's a period piece
0: right this show is set in the 70s and so um the clothes are probably the thing that remind me of that the most and the cars um but yeah so it's not necessarily it's not like a this is how everyone is living today necessarily but um it's yeah, it's great. Do you want to start talking about spoilers, babe? Or
1: is um, I don't know if we've set up the show enough. Should we, right. should we just say what the rising action of the show is? Like what, like, not the rising action, but what, like the boom, here's what it's about.
0: Yeah, so I'll say if you want to know literally nothing about the plot, you should go. But for people who are interested in like, what's kind of the, the crime that needs to be solved? We're about to talk about that.
1: Right. So just the show opens, armored truck, driving in the street. Helicopter lands right in front of them, makes them stop, and then people get out of a car like right behind the truck. I think mm-hmm. they like hold them up. They
0: kill them. Oh yeah, they kill. They kill the everybody.
1: They kill everybody. They <laughs> take all the money. They put it in the helicopter. They fly away, and then we're all like, and this happened either on the reservation or near the reservation. It was oh, like sorry.
0: no, it wasn't. It was like gallop or fly. It Steph. happened
1: near the reservation, but but the helicopter they think, flew into the reservation,
0: right. right?
1: Or at least it was near enough that they suspected that, right? So that's kind of, that's how our local cops get into that. So with that in mind, we can probably skip to the spoiler section, I guess. Right.
0: Well, and then the other thing is there's also a murder on the reservation but that they, we won't talk about a whole bunch. get that at
1: the end of the episode, though.
0: Right. No, what I'm just saying, like, there is a murder on the reservation, and so it's like there are these two crimes, the bank slash armored car robbery, and then this murder on the reservation, and, like, are they connected Signs point to yes, and yet the characters don't have a strong reason to know that. Um, And so yeah,
1: how do we feel about I think we should talk about spoilers now.
0: All right, we're going to spoil the shit out of this show. You should all go watch it. It's very good. Oh, wait, before you I'm sorry. One more thing. It has Rain Wilson as a character and he fucking sucks and it's wonderful. So
1: I want to be clear. A lot of characters in a lot of shows suck. Um, Rain Wilson delivers an Amazing performance. He's a character actor. He does a great job. He does a great job. So
0: go watch it. It's great. <laughs> Thanks, babe. That was your spoiler warning. And Now we're gonna talk about.
1: You're gonna edit that. Right?
0: Jim Chi. I don't know what I'm gonna edit out.
1: <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this guy. He drives right up to this police station, middle of nowhere, in the desert, in his freaking super sexy, black and white El Camino, right? And his, he's like, wearing a suit. It's
0: kind of like a light
1: blue suit, too. He's wearing a suit. Right. To his first day as a cop. Right. And everyone knows that the only cops who wear suits are detectives. And you don't start your first day as a detective.
0: And they don't have <laughs> detectives
1: No, there's nothing to detect. They
0: have Jolie Porn.
1: They have porn too, is an everyman. He's amazing. <laughs> so he walks in, and the cops, you know, porn's there. Bernadette, I think, is there. She's there. And they're they're just spitting. They're just talking. They're just like, and they look at this guy. And they size him up. They're in their cowboy boots, and they look at the city slicker, and they're like, that's a city slicker. Even though what's weird is, like, he looks like them in the sense that he looks Indian, right? But then the way he's dressed, he's clearly an outsider. It's coded, obviously. And they treat him like one.
0: Right. Well, they're just like, what is even happening? Why are you here? And he's and like, he's like I I'm for my first day of the work new transfer for- person. Blah. And like immediately he's like, put on a fucking uniform. Get out of my
1: yeah. face. Right. <laughs> uh, um. And so then he does. And I think Joe Leeporn, who is this kind of like, he sees this kind of older Kind of like, uh, he's kind of got a, not like wrinkled, but like, he's kind of like an old it's like, face. He's dry, been in the sun a lot. Yeah. In the desert sun a lot. And he's got this, this high and tight ponytail, mm-hmm. right? Um, looks great. It looks great. And uh, maybe like a hint of gray mm-hmm. streaked through, mm-hmm. but it's mostly brown hair um, and, <laughs> and a really, really dark complexion. Yeah. Right. Like he's been tanned well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're going to description fuck a lot of people in this uh, podcast.
1: I don't like that. I'm just trying to help people out. I guess this is the post-poiler section so everyone's seen it. but uh, And then so Bernadette is a cop and she has hair and it's long hair. I don't want to talk about you it now. You need to weird.
0: I'm sorry. It's just he's really like they're all everyone on the show is really,
1: really attractive. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, most people on the show are very attractive. Most people on the show are very everybody attractive. Everybody on the show.
0: Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Basically, like, everyone who has a major speaking role is very attractive. Um, but yeah, so it, instead of, like, literally describing every episode we beat could do by every beat. Every
1: scene in every episode would be fun. No,
0: let's do, like, should we, we? Okay, I feel like I'm sort of reticent to get into spoilers. Here's the thing. Jim Chi is a lying, backstabbing traitor. But we don't know that yet but we do because this is the spoiler section. Jim, she it works for the FBI and has been sent here under false pretenses by a Billigana asshole.
1: Billigana is D N A for a cracker. No, uh, I'm in, in usage. In usage. I don't think it's quite that bad. It's,
0: it's, it's it, like
1: gringo. I could imagine it being used it's in white ways person, not like that, but literally on the show, almost every time they use it,
0: yeah, it's not they a good thing, it like but it's cracker. it's it's Billy Godf- or it's it's Dene for white person. Um, and so but yeah, it's like, could I go or mm-hmm. kind of like how or like other words. So so yeah, so he's been sent here to try to like actually solve the whole helicopter bank robbery bullshit and they don't care about the murders that have happened. Um, and he has this like you learn that his mom was um, chased out of the reservation when he was little because she was in a bad relationship. And when she tried to get out of it, the guy started spreading rumors that she was a witch, which is a big deal, um, especially because we meet a witch in this series and she's fucking terrifying. Um, And yeah, so you meet or So, you know, he has complicated feelings about the Navajo and the reservation and everything. And he wants to be promoted and work in DC and like have a nice life or whatever. Um, it off with the white people. This is his like,
1: he went to college
0: thing. Um, right. But he, he also had left the reservation when he
1: was little because his mom, I think a lot of people leave the reservation to go to like schools.
0: Right. One of the things that, uh, is brought up in this series a lot is, um, the idea of um what were they called
1: residential schools residential
0: schools um it they're sort of talked about in the show as being more of a past tense thing um i don't think they necessarily talk about like current children in the show's time being in those schools but they almost all of the um adult members of the cast like all of those characters went to a residential school and talk about like the trauma associated with it. Um, they, you know, they were boarding schools that whose goal was to save, what is it kill the Indian, save the boy or whatever,
1: save the man, save the
0: man, um, to quote unquote, assimilate native American people, um, native American children, and to get them to stop being Indian and start being white.
1: The idea was, and it was, for the time, a progressive idea. <laughs> Henry, uh, Theodore Roosevelt supported it because he was a progressive, which was that uh, Indians weren't fundamentally different from white people, <laughs> that they were just raised wrong. So if you raised them white like white people, they would be white people, you know? Now we know that you don't even need to do that, that everyone's just normal and the same, you know? But... They were, you know, they were doing better from the people who were like, their irredeemable savages, <laughs> I think.
0: Yeah. So the whole point of these schools was to civilize Indian children. Um, and so they would prohibit them from speaking their languages, um, from mm-hmm. practicing their religions. They would often cut their hair. Um, burn their clothes. Burn their clothes. Um, and there's lots of reports of abuse happening at a lot of these schools. Um, and several characters in the show talk about having run away, um, and trying to go back, um, and being caught or sent back or whatever by various, um, people in the show, um, including Jolie porn. Um, and so it's, it sucks and it was complicated and it, 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 yeah. I mean, I appreciate how they included it in the show because I think that a lot of people might not even really know what they
1: were talking about. Totally, I think it's super important to discuss and shed light on that part of our history, the uglier parts of our history. Yeah.
0: Um, sometimes Ben will ask me about native Hawaiians um, and other people will ask me about the Hawaiian language and Hawaiian culture and various things. And I mean, we're just lucky that we have as much of it as we do because there was a mass like attempt at eradicating the Hawaiian culture um, through missionaries and other westerners who came and tried to prohibit hawaiians from speaking hawaiian in school and um doing the hula and various things and so this attempt to make everyone white i guess i don't know a better way to describe that uh is a thing that happened to um indigenous peoples all around the western hemisphere i guess um ben was mentioning today i don't really remember why that There's some school, the Carlisle School, that produced really good football players um, from Native American kids. Yeah. But.
1: (laughs) So Pop Warner was the coach. You might know that name because uh, nowadays the youth football leagues are called Pop Warner Football. Um, And he coached at Carlisle, which was an Indian Academy. The goal at Carlisle, this was at the turn of the uh, 20th century or turn of the 19th to 20th centuries, I guess. Uh, and the goal was basically to treat these Indian kids like they were, you know, prep, like you know, the the kids of like the richest white people, right? Like prep kids. So they had them do what the people in the Ivy Leagues did at the time, which was football. And they were so good at football that they thought about changing the rules just because of how good the Carlisle Indian School was at football.
0: And we mean uh, American football for any We mean who's
1: American confused. football not association football, otherwise known as soccer. Uh, But famous, uh, famous, the only famous football player from the Carlisle football club I know is um, Jim Thorpe. So you've heard of Jim Thorpe or the Jim Thorpe award, I think is like for the best defensive player or something that's from their team. So,
0: um, yeah, I feel like I kind of lost the track of where we were going. I remember we talked about Jim Chi being in the FBI and then I'm like, uh, don't remember. Um, so what would you like to talk about, babe? What were some of your favorite
1: Well, so we don't want to go beat by beat. So I guess, but we should kind of talk about both the robbery and the murder that kind of set things in motion, right? Sure. So we mentioned before there's an armed car armored car, armed yeah, an armored car full of money driving on the road, helicopter lands in front, people get out of a car in the back with guns, kill the drivers, take the money. Get in the helicopter. They land. We learn later that some local Dine person saw the helicopter land, saw people get out of the helicopter. Um, So, Joe Leaporn is eventually called to a crime scene at a motel, right? And he finds um, a dead man, dead old man, a dead young woman, and uh, an old blind grandma crying in the corner, right? Mm hmm. Uh, it's a pretty horrific scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And he, Joe Lee Porn wants justice for this murder, right? Um, he doesn't like that his people in his community have been killed, right? But the FBI, they only care about this robbery, right?
0: Right. In part because these are just dead Indians and who cares? Right. Um, and that, unfortunately, I believe is still kind of a problem today. A lot of, um, so Native American women are vastly more likely to be sexually abused um, or um, attacked by even by like strangers um, than other women in the United States mm-hmm. and like and part of that is that their those crimes are far less likely to go um, to be prosecuted
1: a big it's a big problem is enforcement right right and it, so if it if it's, you, so Malia, uh, in law school, took a course in Indian law. So I'm going to ask her a bit of an Indian law question here, right? If, like, some state resident, say, like, an Arizona or a, Nova- or a New Mexican comes onto the reservation and assaults a Native woman, who has the jurisdiction to prosecute that crime?
0: Oh, my God. So it used to be... Nobody. No, it used to be just the feds. Okay. But now I think it might be...
1: The states too?
0: Yes, because of one of those things that happened. There's also the Violence Against Women Act that impacted this for a while. Um, Jurisdiction on tribal lands is super complicated and really fun. And it's been a year since I was in that course. And even though that's like my favorite aspect of law, I've forgotten some of the details about it. But basically, um, tribes are sovereign nations and the Supreme court has said that like the federal government somehow is like this big umbrella thingy that they're all like kind of under, like it's not like they're France. Um, and they're not states, but they're kind of like states.
1: Are they more or less sovereign than states? Cause in some ways, even though I feel like we say they're more sovereign, it seems like they're really less sovereign.
0: Yeah, no, I would say that they're less sovereign than states, um, practically. Um, so the idea is that, so the word reservation, comes from like reserve. So these are lands that the tribes reserved um, when the U.S. was taking them because Congress can just do that. Um, And or these were lands that Congress reserved for the tribes. Right. Um, So it's it's it was all the tribes land. And we acknowledge that we took it and left some for them
1: by using the word reservation. We probably made an agreement with them. However, yeah, coercive that agreement was. Yeah. There was something on the books there. Yeah. But before we move on, um, what is King Charles' favorite kind of tea? What? Sovereign tea.
0: What? <laughs> Why King Charles? Oh, wait. The, he's king right now.
1: He's the sovereign.
0: Wow. There's a character in Pale that might make Charles. everyone confused. And then I was thinking like King Charles the First, because I talked about him when we talked about Inofcentia. Let's just do a
1: clean take on that. What's, what's King Charles' favorite tea? I don't know. Sovereignty. Uh,
0: okay. Um, so, right. So states don't have jurisdiction in reservations because those reservations are tribal land. Um, and by states don't have jurisdiction in reservations, what I mean is if a tribal citizen is involved, they don't have jurisdiction over those crimes. Um, if it's just two non-tribal citizens involved in the area that is technically that state that the state has jurisdiction, but the federal government also has, okay. The federal government has jurisdiction for federal crimes everywhere in the United States. Nope. I don't know. Mm. Nope. The, so that includes states and that includes tribal lands. Um, States have jurisdiction for crimes everywhere in their state (laughs) unless there are tribal lands and the people involved in the crime, at least one of whom is a tribal citizen, although that's somewhat complicated recently. And I don't fully remember how that worked out with that recent Supreme court case. Um, And then tribes have jurisdiction over shit that happens on tribal lands when a definitely when two tribal members like are involved, the victim and the perpetrator, I think also when they're just the perpetrator. Um, And so it's really complicated and trying to figure out, who has jurisdiction and when and like when does the federal government step in are all hard.
1: But I, I asked about jurisdiction because my understanding is that at least to some extent, the problem is like an under enforcement problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And if there's an an enforcement problem, the question is who isn't enforcing. Right. And I understand that like the federal government and that's a the theme, I think, in this show. Right. Is the FBI not doing their due diligence, perhaps because of corruption or other reasons, right? Racism, right? Not doing enough to prevent crimes, even crimes that are being committed by Indians against Indians, right? And if it's Indians against Indians, the only people who have jurisdiction are the tribe or and the feds. Yeah, and I think we should clarify. We should mention that another thing about when, tribes, <laughs> if, if that because the tribes are in this like lesser position, right? Or is it, it's because of like the law that Congress passed on them, right?
0: Yeah. So what Ben, I think is getting at is that it's, so especially when this book's here or when this TV show takes place, tribes can only sentence p- people
1: up to one year. For any crime. For anything. Right. So um, if they get you on murder, dead to rights.
0: They can put you in jail for a year. One year. Um, And a lot of tribes are okay with this because a lot of tribes are like, you know, small um there are a lot of tribes that don't like basically they don't have the resources to like maintain prisons. Um That's fair. And so for a lot of tribes it's useful for the federal government to step in and prosecute um people who commit crimes. Right. Um and they don't necessarily want to have to deal with okay now we have to put this person in prison for 20 years and we have to like f- pay for that and
1: all of that stuff. Right. I think it's just relevant because it it shows why the federal government is a necessary partner in criminal justice on in the tri- on the tribal territories because the tribes aren't capable of long-term um incapacitation.
0: Right. They're they're like legally not allowed
1: to. Legally not allowed. They're
0: to. also like they don't have the resources. Um, and that, so they don't have the resources probably for police officers and other enforcement officials. You see that too. Um, there was a Supreme court case that I do understand a lot more called, um, McGirt. I don't remember who it was versus Oklahoma. Um, and so that case came down a couple years ago. And, um, so ha- like I said, it's McGirt v. Oklahoma. Okay. Um, tribes have jurisdiction over tribal citizens who commit crimes on Indian land. What is Indian land? For a long time, we were like, it's this tiny little sliver of the reservation. And then Supreme Justice Neil Gorsuch steps in and he's like, oh, actually, if Congress didn't explicitly say that it's not Indian land anymore, then it's still Indian land. And so suddenly, (laughs) like a third of Oklahoma now counts as Indian land because Congress never explicitly came in and like took that away from those tribes. Um, and so that now means that the state no longer has jurisdiction over tribal citizens who commit crimes on those lands. Right. And so that's a huge fucking
1: deal. It's a huge deal because there's a lot of crimes that were on Oklahoma's docket. They're like, uh, you know, do we just let them go? And as a matter of fact, as I understand it, the federal government has had a scramble to hire, prosecutors to, hire prosecutors to deal with to work in Oklahoma. Right. Because like we were saying, the tribes don't have the capacity to prosecute these people and don't have the legal authority to put them in jail as long as people in the community would want them to be put away for.
0: Right. Um, some of those tribes are probably what we call, uh, I think it's Indian Law and Order Act. So like Law and Order tribes is how I think of them. And. Um, and they have opted in to be able bum, to bum. what?
1: Bum, bum. <laughs> they
0: have opted in to be able to um, incarcerate people for up to five years. I think it is, um, which is a more recent thing. Um, That's something
1: they can just ask the government for. They can ask for permission to put people in jail longer.
0: Congress passed a thing that let them do
1: this. Yes, it just makes sense, though. It'd be it's freaking weird that they can't. That they can be like, we've got you, we've convicted you of murder. You'll be out in a year. <laughs>
0: Yeah yeah. Um and presumably there are a lot of crimes that the federal government has an interest in prosecuting. Um but then there's also a lot of crimes where they're like that's an Indian woman and I don't care. Um which sucks a lot. Um I have like I'm a little bit torn about my feelings about the criminal justice system. I think in large part a lot of the system that we have is bad and I don't think that people should be in prison for as long as they are basically. But I also think that there need to be consequences when people commit crimes and having a certain population that's less like when violence against a certain population isn't punished to the same extent as other parts of the population. That's bad.
1: Can I, can I say? My, yeah. So my piece in that is that I think I mostly agree with Malia. Um, I think that they're basically over policing is bad and under policing is bad. And both of those show up uh, with violence, right? Mm-hmm. When you're over policing minor nonviolent crimes, you're getting violence and respond to nonviolence. When you're under policing, you know, there's more violence that's not getting checked. And that's, I think, the problem in some Indian communities, which I think that's where you need prosecution.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So it's interesting and complicated. And so that's part of the reason why the FBI features in Tony Hillerman's novels so much and why they're a big part in this show. Um, they also, they have the resources, they have the labs that can test the water. They have the forensic bullet, whatever the fucks that can do, you know, the things, the, the morgue in the show that we see, um, in the first episode is in the back of a tourist shop. Um, they, the Navajo tribal police doesn't have the same resources as I keep saying. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, especially Jim cheese character, Joe Leaporn figures out pretty quickly that he's FBI, which is a funny reveal, um, cause he gets him to admit it. Um, And so then Jim Chi is kind of like a double agent kind of thing, playing both sides against each other. And you're never quite sure, you know, does he really want the job in D.C.? Is he betraying everyone? What's going on?
1: Well, and what you have there is, is Jim Chi appears to come out with it with early porn. But we see that he's continuing to keep things from him. Mm -hmm. And he works with the FBI guy until they it's there's consequences.
0: Right. He's, like, pushed too far. Um, one of the other things on the show that's interesting is Jim Chi really wants to go to D.C. and really wants, you know, a, a raise and really wants to have, like, a prestigious FBI job. Recognition. Recognition. Um, he he wants to get away um, from this place.
1: He wants to be treated like one of the boys, one of the guys.
0: Yeah, but... A white guy. All of the dudes in the FBI are shit to this man. So shit. And like all the people on the reservation, like some of them make fun of him or whatever. But in general, like, like it's very obvious by the third or fourth episode that Joe is kind of considering Jim to be like his surrogate son because his son is like died. Um, To be
1: fair, Joe's never met a person younger than him that he didn't try to adopt.
0: (laughs) Or Emma. (laughs) Um, they uh, try to adopt everyone and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, they, they really have a great relationship. He and so Jim, Chi and you can't just say Jim, it's Jim, Chi. Jim, Chi and Bernadette like have totally like flirtatiousness going on. Like he's surrounded by people who care about him and who he cares about and who can like understand him in a lot of ways, especially Joe, who's also someone who left the reservation to go to college. Um, and came back and is a police officer and whatever and then you see these white dudes who are just sort of like like why don't you have like running water idiot (laughs) (laughs) he's like we would love to not have to drink water out of the well okay fuck off and so you're just kind of left there constantly being like i mean you can you kind of figure out jim Cheese not gonna go right it's so obvious that like the relationships and everything he's making on the reservation are so much more like genuine and healthy, but like, it's, it's just like, why the fuck do you want this Jim Chi?
1: Um, well, so Jim she's been sent in Jim. So Jim, Chi shows up and he's like, hi, sirs. I would like to be a cop, right? <laughs> I've been transferred in from the other branch or whatever. And Joe's like, I don't know about all that, but he lets him in. Right but actually he's been sent by the FBI to kind of be it's weird why is he there? He's there to help work on the 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 heist. The yeah, the armored right? car heist but case. It's it to me it was initially suspicious cuz it's like why would the FBI be putting a mole in another it's not part of the federal government, but it's like a government agency sort of. It'd be really weird to me if an FBI agent was in like the Georgia Bureau of Investigation or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, you see though that from the beginning that the FBI and the Navajo Tribal Police have very or have different objectives. Yeah. Um, the FBI do not care about this murder. They don't care about
1: solving it. Right.
0: And Joe Porn is really worried.
1: To be clear, the double murder in the Mattel room that we talked about earlier.
0: Right. Um, Joe Leaporn is very concerned because he's like, these families aren't going to have closure. Um, there's
1: I think we should talk about I so I don't know that it was clear in the first episode, but I think that it became clear over the course of it that a reason why Joe Leaporn is especially invested in in this murder is because of the personal connection between the deceased and his family.
0: Right. But just in general, he's it seems like he's like the FBI is not going to work with me. They're going to like use me for whatever and then like toss me aside and like they don't care about solving like prosecuting the murder of two denae people right. and i fucking do right um and yeah so it's just like obvious from the beginning that they don't they're not like amicably
1: working together and maybe they won't provide any of their resources to help with the murders if it doesn't help them with the robbery
0: right and so it seems like the the fbi guy thinks that joe leaphorn won't necessarily be forthcoming with information or about the helicopter and the robbery um, or wouldn't make it as much of a priority. And so I think he sends Chi in partially to make sure that that actually gets investigated and to make sure that he gets all the information. And we see that Chi is telling him stuff that Lee- Joe's not. Right. So everyone's sort of justified. But yeah, so so Joe has a really sad backstory.
1: Yep. So when we should talk about Emma? Yeah. Okay. So Joe... Wife is Emma, a nurse, and they had a son, Joe Jr. Joe Jr. passed in an explosion at the local oil rig mine thing. Former oil rig, now a mine thing that he was working at. That he was working at. um He was dating Anna, who was the the victim in the motel. One of the two victims in the motel. Yeah,
0: the young girl who's murdered in murdered. the first episode. Um, when she's there helping her grandma.
1: So there's a, there's that personal connection there. And we meet her father, who's one of the stronger characters in the series.
0: Yeah. He's definitely a secondary character. Um, but But he's in most of the episodes. He's in most of the episodes. Um, kind of like the owner of the, uh,
1: touristy shop. He's definitely a stronger and more important character than Lester.
0: Right. But I mean, like Lester, I I love Lester. I love Lester. But yeah, um, Guy is in. Guy and Joe have a very contentious relationship. But by the end of the season, Guy basically brothers, right? Guy is like, "Oh, I was such a dick to you after your son had died, and like, I didn't know how hurt you were, and now I know how hurt you were, and I'm so sorry." Right. Um, and it's really the the show's just so emotional. You just really care about all these characters so much, um, because they're just such good and loving people. um, Even though you see them like fuck up and make mistakes.
1: I'll say that they'll punch you in the gut, but they'll never punch you in the teeth.
0: (laughs) They'll shoot you in the leg a lot. These people shoot people in the leg or the arm a lot.
1: It's yeah. As if it's, and and also that's, I think we should say maybe, maybe you can transpose this up front, (laughs) but as far as like trigger warnings go, um, there are mentions and depictions of suicide. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. And there are depictions of graphic violence, people getting murdered and shit, uh and that's ugly, and I don't like it, and I don't think people should do that to each other.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it. Yeah, I don't think this show like glorifies in violence. Um, unlike it, a lot of other shows. Yeah. But it's and it doesn't always show the exact moment when something really bad happens. There but was it's, they
1: they they yeah. took exactly one moment to avoid that. And I think they used every, basically every other moment they just straight up showed you.
0: Right. But just, I mean, like when people get shot or whatever, it's not like zooming in and the, it's not, know.
1: there's, it's not zooming in. It's not slow-mo. You don't see it splatter everywhere. Right. But you do see holes. You do see blood. Right. You do see, and it's not, and I, like I was saying, I don't think people should do that to people. And i I don't think the show is telling people you should. But um, just I want people to know up front before they get into it. Because, like, I know people, for me, it's very upsetting to watch that. And I don't like it at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I put up with it because it's such a great show. But if people who can't put up with that don't. Right. Um, and, again, suicide. You know. Right. Someone commits suicide on the show. Right. I mean, we do not necessarily say that, too. We could say that. But just that's, if that's not your thing, don't watch the show at all. Because you don't want to get invested into it and feel bad at the end.
0: Right. It's not till the basically the end of the season um but yeah so emma is joe's wife and she's wonderful um we learn that she only had one child because she was sterilized without her consent after her son was born Mm -hmm. um in the first episode we see her um assisting a doctor who's talking to a young young lady young girl who is pregnant um she's like I don't know, 16 ish. Um, and you can tell something's up that she's being abused, that something's going on. Um, and you also hear Emma tell her in Dene that if you come and have your baby in the hospital, they will sterilize you without your consent after the baby is born, which is horrifying and awful. And another instance of how this show is raising awareness of various atrocities that have committed, been committed against indigenous people in the U S um, and it's a way that she really, she like becomes a mother to this girl, and really loves her and wants to protect her. Um, because eventually she's connected; she's the daughter of the witch, um, who is helping the bad guys. Um, and Joe Leaphorn manages to convince her to come back to his house and stay with them for a while. And so, of course, that means she's now one of their daughters and is never leaving. Bernadette's also sort of an adopted daughter figure, um, of theirs.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit for sure. I think that's just kind of a natural, it's just like an energy that Joe has for everybody. Now that his son's gone.
0: Right. Well, even before, um, Bernadette was, she told a story about how she ran away from a residential school and Joe had picked her up and brought her back. But something about that experience like led her to being a a cop. And, um, she takes care of some of Emma's horses, um, and they're pretty close. They her daughter, no. Emma's niece uh, gets her period for the first time and goes through some sort of like womanhood ritual. I don't remember the name of it, but it was pretty cool. It takes place over the course of like a full episode. For
1: any fantasy fans, it was very similar to the first episode of Wheel of Time on Amazon, which is also a great show. Yeah. Um, Robert Jordan was probably inspired by Navajo uh, womanship rituals.
0: Yeah, possibly. Um, or at least the creators of the Wheel of Time TV show are because we don't see, uh, as much of Egwene's braiding or whatever, uh, in the books.
1: It's really cool. They, well, yeah, they throw her in the river. (laughs) She floats down and survives.
0: Right. On Wheel of Time. In the, in Dark Winds, um, there's a lot of, she has to like make a meal with like masa, I think, like really finely ground corn, um,
1: it, it looks like and, some kind of special tamale kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Um, and she also has to like run a long ways. It
1: was fun. I think the women were chasing her, but they weren't supposed to catch her.
0: It was right. Kind of like
1: it seemed like kind of a ritual.
0: Right. Um, and so Sally, the young woman who's slash, slash like teen. I'm not really sure how old this girl is. Um, who's pregnant and staying with the leap horns. Um, really gets like enmeshed in the family and learns about the whole process and stuff there. But like, so for instance, Bernadette is invited to that ceremony and that like family event as well. Right. So I think she's like fairly close with
1: them. That's fair. Um, it's fair. Such a beautiful landscape. I wanted to say, we've talked about a lot of the characters so far. I really feel like the reservation is a character hmm. uh, and it's in every scene, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we're looking at, Canyons, valleys, ponds, lakes, quarries. Which, you know, that's not landscape, that's you know, disturbed, but it's very beautiful. And having driven out in that kind of region, it it, it holds up.
0: hmm Yeah, the a lot of the shots and Yeah. Um you you see them on the road a lot and there's just like there's no buildings around. It looks like Ringo. Um it's Beautiful. Um, And it really gives you a good sense, I think, of what living there in that time was like, like I said earlier.
1: That's something it is a period piece. So, you know, the women are wearing bell bottoms and the men um, have mustaches. Oh yeah, musta- not the not the not the Indians. I guess the white men have mustaches. White men have mustaches. Yeah. Um. Rain Wilson. Oh my god, let's talk about him. I think we should talk. It, I'm. Can I talk about Rain Wilson? Yes, character? you can. You love him. I love Rain Wilson's character. Rain Wilson plays one of those characters where you could just read a whole book or watch a whole show just about him. He's so fucking awful. His he, name is devoted. His name is devoted Dan. Devoted Dan. <laughs> he runs a used car dealership in Flagstaff, where he's devoted to three things. First of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second of all, his beautiful wife and his two children. Third, getting affordable deals to the people of, you know, northeastern Arizona and northwestern New Mexico.
0: Getting you a glorious car at an affordable
1: price. Thank you. And fourth, and what he won't tell you in the ad, is fucking anybody that'll walk into his van.
0: (laughs) And also gambling and also
1: drinking. And also gambling and also drinking. He's not a great man, but he is a... (laughs) He's not a good man, but he is a great man. No. Sorry, I'll say that. <laughs> he, he's devoted Dan. He's devoted to all these things.
0: And so he... We, we got a really great commercial um, that he does where we learn all that information about him. Um, and then later on in the show, we see him film that commercial, which is great. Um, but yeah, so the, the bad guys have...
1: Mm, how about the antagonists?
0: Okay, the Buffalo Society has... Um, started blackmailing him to try to get cars and for him to launder their money um, because they take
1: pictures of him like having an affair with some woman in a van. Right. So the Buffalo Society are the main antagonists on the series, right? Uh, they have several kind of confederates they work with, but the two there's two main guys there, one of which is this kind of like smarmy guy, wears glasses, short hair. Another one like long hair, bandana, looks like kind of like a Rambo figure. The scar, yeah. Both of them are vets, Vietnam vets. Mm -hmm. This is an anti-war. It's an anti-war show if you're the kind of person who's like, it's bad when people try to overthrow the government. (laughs) You know, it's a Mm -hmm. pro, like, and so it's like, it's only, the only reason the Vietnam War is bad, according to the show, is because it helped arm, like, radicals. And, like, teach them how to... It helped... It armed and trained radicals.
0: I don't know that that's fair. I think that these... Do
1: you think they were broken by the war? Is that the argument?
0: I think it's... Like, these two are bad people and they do really, really bad things, but...
1: No, no, wait. Hang on. I I don't want you to go there yet because I think there's an argument.
0: But I think that you agree with a lot of their motivation. Um, Similar to, like, some stuff that is happening in Pale where... You know, maybe your main women. character and an antagonist like have a similar goal, you know, which in this case is like the
1: the glorification of the DNA people.
0: Yeah, I don't know if glorification is the right word, but yes, like they they want to help their people. They want them to like come out from oppression. They want them to thrive. They want them to succeed. And um, what's, what's the they name? acknowledge that white people have fucked
1: them up. I I think it's sort of a Black Panther situation. Um, the Buffalo Society. What's Killdozer's name? That's not Killdozer. What's his name? Killmonger. Kill yes. Kill Killmonger. Oh, that Black Panther. I think we can all agree. <laughs> I think we can all agree that Killmonger in the movie Black pa- Marvel's Black Panther was right, mm-hmm. and he they made they the they actually wrote the movie to have him kill people in like a really like fucked up way. Just so that you wouldn't wouldn't root for him. If he did his whole thing, but he was like, he shot like electro whips at people that like bound their hands and he never just fucking killed a guy, then like everyone would be like, Killmonger should be the Black Panther. Rise up, you you know, uh, Global South, you know?
0: I think that Killmonger is more right and more sympathetic than the Buffalo Society, especially James So. So James So um, spends... The first like three or four episodes masquerading as his twin brother, who is a Catholic priest. Ben has a theory that he can explain right now.
1: So they make a big deal about there being two so brothers, right? There being twin brothers, one who wears glasses and one who doesn't wear glasses. We see pictures of both of them at St. Michael's, the like Catholic school assimilation school they were sent to, right? Um But we also see a mugshot of James So without his glasses. Uh, Maybe it's standard procedure to take your glasses off in a mugshot. Right.
0: James is the one with the glasses and he's the the naughty kid. And Benjamin Benjamin is the one without glasses
1: who becomes a priest. The real one, right? There's a moment towards the end where James takes his glasses off and says, innocently, I'm going to be a father, which made me think that there. And there was another line that came out shortly after that, too, that supported it. That made me think that there's a subtext here where there's only one So brother, not twins, suffering from dissociative identity disorder, um, where sometimes he's James So, the troublemaker, rebel, revolutionary, and sometimes he's Benjamin So, the good Catholic father, right? There's the two other points of evidence I'd want to bring to that. Number one, there's a letter... That was supposed to be mailed to the brother that was saying, hey, uh, your brother's up to no good. He's up to his old ways again, right? If it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation, that could have been sent to the actual person who was Jekyll and Hyde-ing, You know what I mean, right? Three, he said he hears ghosts and that's what's motivating him, right? He said that at the end of that line. And I feel, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, very limited experience with this kind of stuff. I want to say that, though, that some people who are like have the multi-personal disorder thing, DID, dissociative identity, also have the hearing voices thing related to it.
0: Yeah, that's like never textually confirmed. Um, I think it's an interesting theory. I think that there were two of them, at least when they were kids, because I don't think St. Michael's would have had two different files on the same child.
1: They were very supportive.
0: No, they weren't, babe. And then they were very confused.
1: They were as confused as then we were. they
0: were super confused. Um, <laughs> And I could see like maybe to throw in there, I'd say like Benjamin died and he whatever. But it it so like I just think that that's sort of like a place where the writing and things failed a little bit and they kind of played that up too much and then didn't quite run with it, especially because so he's the Indian Elvis Presley in that he wears these like big yellow glasses sometimes. And then sometimes he wears the little glasses. And I think that they should have. I mean, I don't know. I think it would have made more sense if he didn't wear glasses and his brother did and he was wearing them to pretend and they figured it out some other way.
1: But I see sort of hear what you're saying. I think that would make more sense if it were a more cogent cover up. But I think that also leads credence to it not being something he has control over because it is like the it's an expression of the underlying mental impression he has or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, a
1: lot of fun. A lot of fun characters in this. That guy sucks. We learned terrible things about him.
0: Yeah, James, so... um
1: Is the boyfriend of the witch.
0: And also the father of Sally's child, who, again, is the witch's daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Who was sort of raised uh, off the grid, as it were.
0: Right. She was never enrolled in any school of any kind. She was really, like, kept
1: in this house. Not even Indian school. Right. So she didn't even... Like, And it's, it's, it's awful. There's a, there's definitely a scene where they show it, where it's like, it's not just that she doesn't know everything about human, not human, sorry. She doesn't know everything about like, just like technology, culture, stuff like that. But she doesn't even know her traditional culture either. They kept both of those from that by isolating her in her shack.
0: Right. Cause she doesn't know about the ceremony that the um, niece goes through. Right.
1: Um. Thankfully though, she's, she's saved by Emma and Joe. Yeah, And they take her in, keep her safe. Yeah.
0: Um, but there's an interesting tension between Frank Nakai, who's one of the... Um,
1: the unkillable.
0: Vietnam the vets. Right. Frank Nakai, the unkillable. And uh, James So, who... Because Frank Nakai really, really passionately wants to help the Dene people. And I think James So does as well. But he starts working with more white people and he starts killing more Dine people and he kind of goes astray in a way right. that Frank is upset about when he learns about it. I, so Frank wasn't involved in the murder of um Anna, Anna, or the grandfather. Um, and he becomes upset when he learns that this has happened.
1: Right. He didn't, yeah, he didn't know. He still at the end, he wasn't sure if you he know what was believed real, right? who was involved yeah. uh, because the father, father so oh. denied it. Um, did we ever get Closure on the cause of the explosion and all that? Or is that... No. No. So I th- I think there might still be mysteries left for season two that have been set up here. Because, so basically, I, I think we should go back and we should talk about the explosion and all that, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, his son died in an explosion. Joe right? porn's son. son died in an explosion at the oil rig, right? The oil rig's been drained and been bought up by an eccentric uh, Dallas type um not like the city but like the show um who's gonna run a mine there for uranium right the buffalo society's plan allegedly was to buy up land around the site to choke off his ability to mine for uranium right i guess so they could mine for uranium at the same time though they had all this cash would they trying to and they were trying to get the cash to mexico so were they trying to get the cash to buy the land or were they trying to get the cash to go to Mexico and just get the fuck out of this business? hmm. You know?
0: Yeah, it was a little. I mean, I think eventually it was like, oh, we're fucked. We got to just bounce. OK, because I think the F, right. so the, F, the main FBI guy, big spoiler, is helping them. Right. He goes up to um, James. So James. So at one point. And it's like, hey, I know I everything about you. I'm going to put you in jail unless you let me in on your next big bank robbery. I've already arrested your helicopter pilot, and you're going to tell me you're going to like cut me in,
1: right? And they got a new helicopter pilot who they murder. It's awful.
0: Um, but yeah, so he's so I think at like earlier on, um, before the final showdown confrontation, they have good reason to believe that they're not going to get caught because the head FBI guy on this investigation is helping them. Um,
1: And so. Right. I think they changed their strategy after they get so much pressure from the local cops.
0: Right. But yeah, there's this weird thing where like Frank Nakai we see in a flashback has like a premonition while on peyote that the mine explosion is going to happen. He tells Gus on his dad. Guy. Guy, sorry, he tells Guy Anna's dad the um Anna again being the girlfriend of Joe's son to not go to work because he thinks something bad is going to happen. And
1: he doesn't, and other people don't. But six DNA die that
0: day, including Joe Joe's Jr. Son. Um, and so uh, you know it seems really sus, and you're like, oh, he must have planted a bomb or whatever. Right. But then like but they then, keep bringing it up as reason for why they're so angry because. Right their people died. And so it doesn't seem like that happened. It's
1: really weird. Cause it's like, yeah, Nakai is really angry about it. Seemingly sincerely. And also guy in the same scene, when he like makes up with like Joe and he's like, Joe, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand your pain. I never could understand your pain until I did. And I'm so sorry. He tells a different story for why he didn't show up to the rig that day. He says that it was because there was a dreologist named Lebec who found uranium and told him or, and other people, but not everybody, not including Joe's son to right. stay away from the rig for some time. And
0: that some people were like getting sick or something. And it right. was unclear to me how that related to the explosion. Right. But because That's, we see the explosion happen right. on the show, it's he, not like there like, wasn't he, actually an explosion. He was
1: saying, he was saying that the, the, the sickness was happening. That's why the geologist was there. The geologist was like, it's uranium. And he was saying like, while we're figuring out, stay away. And then the explosion happened. It's weird.
0: It's weird. It doesn't quite make sense. And then like, we never follow up with like Lebec or anything. And that could be like a season two thing. I hope so. Um, but we do have kind of like a closure moment at the very end of the season where they finally burn um, Joe Jr.'s varsity jacket. I think there's something with Navajo about they They have a lot of superstitions and beliefs about death in particular, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Um, and one thing that I enjoy about the show is they're not like, hi, white people, we're here to teach you about everything. Like, some of this stuff, it's like, if you don't get it, fucking Google, like, figure it out, Google it. And so, like, they give you enough to make it be like, oh, there's something about death. There's something about whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure that um, it's very important for the Navajo to bury the belongings of the person who died, um, just based on this show. And so this, at the end, burning this jacket is a nice, like, Symbol of closure.
1: Right. And I think just some like some some background on that. Um, the DNA people and the Apache are two closely related people groups who uh, migrated from Western Canada uh, or Eastern Alaska uh, like 700, 600 years ago. Right. And supposedly, according to the legends of the people up there, these people were like they just disappeared they were like being harassed by other groups and they just disappeared one night. And so I think part of that is like kind of the history they've had, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but so it feels like there's kind of this closure with the Joe jr. Story. Um, in terms of like, we're burning his jacket, you know, we're, we're not like,
1: he's got a new family now.
0: Right. Not like, uh, fuck you, Joe jr. Bye. I'm never going (laughs) to think about you again, but just in terms of like, we're kind of healing. Right. We're, you know, we're fine we we have this more people son, to love.
1: Two new daughters and soon to be a granddaughter. Grandson. Oh yeah. This boy. Yeah.
0: Um, right. But it, but like so that kind of felt like a nice resolution of like the pain that these people are very obviously like very raw steel dealing with three years after their son's death. Um and so then to have next season be like, Let's avenge his son's death seems a little weird, but
1: also I'm here for it. But I just uh so that old man, it, it's uh, there's something sus there because like if if there's an awesome uranium deposit, right? And someone else has an oil deposit there, right? The oil deposit blows up, right? And now the uranium deposit is free or cheap because the, there's no oil there anymore, you know? That's super, that's what someone would do before they bought it up. Do you know what I mean?
0: Hmm.
1: Right? So okay. like, he, yeah, no, that's fair. He says, I don't know anything about it. And maybe he doesn't. But how did that happen? How did it get blown up by a malicious actor, but it wasn't for profit, you know? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Now, it, the one thing I'd say about that, and it's weird because the Buffalo Society, well, they're actually not all dead, right? But, <laughs> Spoilers! So the Buffalo, Buffalo Society expresses that, like, they're buying up the land around this guy's uranium mine because he, need, he needs to work with them because they're going to—they—even if he owns all the stuff under the land, they— only dna can own the surface mm-hmm. which i don't know if that's true that doesn't sound right that like they aren't allowed to sell the surface rights but they can sell everything below it seems like they would go together yeah i don't know enough about real and mineral but, laws but presumably <laughs> like in any market right if you have people who buy up land and then promise not to sell that could be a real problem to a developer right right so they could choke them out they wouldn't get an easement by necessity right uh so why would they do that? Right. In one scenario, it would be if we make it so you can access your land, it'll be worth it so you have to sell it to us. Then we'll get the uranium, mm-hmm. right? But if that was the case, shouldn't, wouldn't they have just bought it with the first bank money they stole instead of letting him buy it, you know? Yeah. So maybe it's the whole, this is our land. It's sacred. You can't come on our fairground. We're going to dress up to scare you off, Scooby-Doo style, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, that's true. But...
1: James So is dead, right? And Frank Nakai is unkillable,
0: right? Frank Nakai is unkillable. I so okay. I want to talk about magic in this show. Um, another thing that's never fully explained is I would say
1: magic is real in this show. I am withholding judgment. Can we? Do you remember what was the thing that was magical in the first episode?
0: So in the first episode, Bernadette. So and then the, so part of this is like. Only certain characters really experience the magical only women stuff, and Frank,
1: Nikai, guy who can't be killed. I don't know that that we need to we need to keep talking about that.
0: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: he did seem like he was shot through the heart, or something, or the lungs, or both.
0: He seemed to have died anyway. Um, Frank. So, so Bernadette is the character who struggles with the like witch the most. They're like she's her primary antagonist, kind of. She goes to that house the first episode because she's checking in on Sally. Emma has asked that she check in on this girl. Um and when she's there, like you start she like the camera gets all kind of fuzzy and you start hearing like fly music. Like music. Fly you start hearing facts. flies and this woman's really like glowering. Did she start whispering
1: in her ear yet there?
0: And she might have started there's whisperings you're hearing and she like tries to get some of her hair. Right. And so Bernadette freaks out, not having none of that leaves. Sure. Um, she talks about having her medicine pouch on her and how that's really important.
1: Um, because and- because later, because Anna, who died in the motel room, didn't have her medical medicine pouch. And the blind woman who didn't die, did. And right. the blind woman, the blind old woman, believes that she survived because of her medicine pouch. Now, it... Some might think that James So didn't kill her because she wasn't a witness. <laughs> but but, but Anna died opposed. in
0: very bizarre circumstances. She her heart gave out. Um, she's a 20-year-old woman, and there's no sign of any external trauma or anything. Like the cause of death was cardiac arrest, and there's a streak of white in her hair. Um, and so the the biligana mortician dude is like, yeah, she died of fright. Um, and that's never like contravene. That's never like, oh, just kidding. She didn't or whatever. Um, later in the series, when the witch keeps tormenting Bernadette or whatever, we see Bernadette with a streak of white in her hair as well. Um, when I, she's I, really been like,
1: I, I kind of want to go, go instance by instance of okay. how magic is used. So the first one is that. Bernadette is like, well. No, 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 no. The
0: first, sorry, the first one is the
1: murders. Anna getting scared to death.
0: Um, and that was a. Didn't they were it. performing a ritual that I don't fully remember because we watched it was the first a purification. episode. It
1: was a purification ritual months ago. So I remember. I remember. So the
0: the nice grandma who's blind.
1: So what happened? The listening was woman. The grandpa Benjamin So's grandpa James So's grandpa. Had seen the helicopter. Had seen the helicopter land. He had come to the witch doctor. No, well, the medicine woman. The right? Yeah, witch the listening trust. woman. Apparently, I learned this today. Witch doctors are like, they go back in like Western tradition and they're actually the in other traditions too. They're people who diagnose curses. Cool. They're the good force against the witches. Oh. You go to the witch doctor because a witch cursed you.
0: The doctor of the witchness.
1: Right, right. (laughs)
0: Like an ankle doctor.
1: And so (laughs) apparently in English times, you would call, in old English times, you would call this a cunning person. Huh. And that's what they would, that's the old term for them, cunning people. And they would do that because they could see the witch stuff. Cool. Yeah, fuck witches.
0: In this show, definitely.
1: Um, Well, okay. When I say fuck witches, I don't mean fuck like cool witches in like Harry Potter or whatever. Or other other non-problematic properties. I mean... When I'm defining witches as people who use magic to do malicious things to other human beings, like in folklore or here, you know? Uh So for that definition of witch, people who are actually going around cursing, fuck witches. I think we can all agree.
0: Right. But so so the listening woman is doing this, is going to do this ritual for this man to help figure something out that
1: I I don't remember. Help him just like deal with with what he saw. Right. Purify himself. Um, Did James so... Like, take advantage of Anna Anna? Is that a thing? Someone said something like that. That, like, he violated her. But they might have just meant, by like, he killed her.
0: Yeah, I don't think... They, I think they would have mentioned that when they were talking about the state her body was in. And okay. they were sort of like, yeah, literally nothing was
1: wrong except her heart had given out. And you think that means it was magic? Yeah. Because I, I hear you. We've seen that the witch doesn't have the power to just kill people. Because she would have done it to more people than she did. For instance... The other, one, the second time she uses magic, she just makes Bernadette. Right. The third time, it's the bite, right?
0: Well, okay, yeah. So the okay. the I think the third time we see it, there's this character named Wanda, and she's in on the conspiracy, and they don't trust her.
1: And She's possibly Lester's wife.
0: Um, yeah, it's unclear. She works at the it's store at the up. very least. Um,
1: because Lester's not in on it. He's a good guy.
0: And so she. Gives James James makes her give her her hair clip, which has some of her hair on it. And the witch uses that hair to get a black widow spider to bite Wanda in the neck. Um, A one. Yes. Which sends Wanda into a coma. Um, And she we see her come out of her coma right after the witch is killed.
1: Is that after was she bitten after she was threatened for fucking up? Yes. So do you think that part of that might have been... I mean, do you think that that was accidental? Or do you think that she realized at that point that she would gotten the wrong hair? Because she was trying to get Bernadette's hair. But do you think that she was trying no, to... No, no,
0: no. But we see... Okay, so James explicitly asks for her hair clip. And she gives it to him. And we see the witch use that hair clip
1: to do the Wanda's thing. Wanda's hair clip. Wanda's hair clip. So Bernadette didn't... So, so, sorry. The witch didn't think it was Bernadette's hair? No. Okay. So, right. So that was a... We don't trust this person anymore. She fucked up and also we're silencing her with poison. Right. Okay. Um. Which could be magic.
0: And could be a coincidence because she was by the wood thing that they knew maybe had black widows in it.
1: Or maybe she went by and put her like fucking pet black widows up in the wood pile beforehand. Interesting. <laughs> I'll say that a little louder just in case I didn't come through in the mic. Maybe <laughs> she went by with her little like film canister full of black widows and put them in the wood pile where she knew Wanda would go for firewood, which she did do every day to be fair.
0: Sure. Um,
1: Next use of magic would be the Frank Nikai in the jail.
0: No, there was one scene where that was kind of confusing and confusing. I never fully explained where, cause I think she gets Emma's hair. Um, right. Emma, we see Emma outside at night and we see that the witch is there and it's unclear.
1: Look at her face. I
0: can't look at her face.
1: No, you have to. It's twitching.
0: I feel it twitching.
1: She's like twitching her whiskers. She's having a little dream. Aww. Oh. She's like twitching her whiskers.
0: We're talking about our cat.
1: I just wanted to say about the magic and systems and how it's displayed in the show. is just that I think that this show very much could be saying that magic is real, but it also could be explained by... Some kind of systems that we don't explain yet, don't understand yet, you know, that just seems like magic to the people that are experiencing it. For instance, there's a couple situations where, like, Bernadette is, like, out of it or, like, paralyzed. And that could be some kind of toxin, poison, you know, administered in some way we don't notice. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe a gas that the witch is immune to. Right. Um, It's it's, big. Well, if I could say the biggest mm -hmm. thing against, militating against that would be that we see two characters who immediately get better when the witch apparently dies right
0: so the last <laughs> confrontation emma goes emma bernadette goes to the house where the witch lives and she's like i don't know trying to arrest her or something and you see this like really creepy thing in the kitchen that i don't fully understand and then the um you see this creepy thing in the kitchen that i don't fully understand and then the
1: it's a skinwalker
0: we think i don't know it's not clear um, but yeah, so they fight and there's a com- perfunctory and then the house is burning down and the witch is trapped and Bernadette tries to help her get her out, but then it's too late and whatever. And so then the white streak disappears from Bernadette's hair and we see Wanda, uh, wake up. Um, it is interesting that it is a thing centered around women. Um, I mean, she tells Jim T to carry a medicine pouch and <laughs> questions him about which way Coyote that he hit with his car was facing and right. different things. Um, I think Jim asked Joe Leaporn about it and it's kind of like, haha, isn't that dumb? And Joe Leaporn's basically like, don't talk shit.
1: Yeah. But. Well, you know. but I wonder if maybe it's like in Lila Time again, where like there's yin and yang, you know, and there's elements that the men and the women can kind of touch, you know, where I wonder if it's something like women magic works better against women they're more vulnerable to it or more susceptible to it or something. Yeah. Maybe they're operating in the same wavelength. Yeah.
0: And then the last thing that felt magical is, I don't remember when, but at some point Frank Nakai is described as being unkillable or. Yeah. he, He just can't die. Something like that. Something like that. And, um, big spoilers for the end at the end. Uh, you know, he has been shot, um, and is lying in this cave and, um, this FBI officer is also lying dead in this cave and they put the gun. So it looks like that guy shot him and they drag all this money back into the cave and then they blow up the cave and there's a cave in. Um, I guess it's not super clear. I mean, it's there was dynamite all around that room in the cave. So it seemed like people would have died or whatever. But then at the end, we learned that like only the FBI guy's body was found. None of the money was found. So it seems like Frank Nikai got up and took all the money and left.
1: Let's fucking go. Um the respect a guy who gets, gets, secures the bag.
0: <laughs> and so it's not clear, like, did he do it before the explosion went off? I think so. Did he was he lucky enough to whatever he is unkillable? It is unclear.
1: Or he was playing dead.
0: It's unclear. <laughs> it looked like
1: he, he was dead. He was the most shot through the heart guy of anyone on the show. Right.
0: He had gotten shot through the arm like 20-4 hours before or something like that. And he was shot not even 24 hours, maybe like 12. I don't know. And then he was also shot through some sort of area in his chest and then fallen to the ground and stopped moving. He
1: was wheezing like it went through his lung or something. Um, yeah. But he survived.
0: Yeah. Good for him, I guess. More sympathetic.
1: Yeah. Well, he gets to buy up all that land around the uranium mine. Interesting. Get to Mexico and help the new many people.
0: <sighs> but yeah, um... This is a great show. Really good. I'm really excited for season two. It makes me want to read more of these books. Ooh. Um,
1: Joe Bro, More like Broly porn. (laughs) I love him. He's so good. He's so cool. Uh, He's America's dad. Yes, he is. Uh, They're so good. I, I think we can agree, after watching the show, that not all cops are bastards. Yeah, that we're coming out as a podcast and saying right here, <laughs> we're not an ACAB podcast because <laughs> we found hashtag not one, three, one, two. Definitely one. I would say maybe two, maybe cops. Three, co- good cops, uh, yeah. three good cops. There's, there's three good cops in the show. There's more good cops than bad cops on this show. Yeah, maybe in ACAB.
0: Yeah it's always that Um, but yeah so I guess that concludes our fun trial
1: episode this was a trial episode of a series that we're calling Tis the Season
0: I like Tis the Season
1: Tis the Season where we watch the first season of different shows and we talk about if we like them or not
0: we were thinking about doing this with just pilot episodes but we watched this whole show
1: Um, and it's better because it is
0: Yeah, we're also considering watching a whole big, long series that we're not going to tell you all about exactly because we aren't positive whether we're doing it yet. But we would love to hear your feedback. Um, This is our first time recording a podcast in the same room with someone and stuff. And so we're not sure, like, you know, if you have questions about the sound, we obviously didn't write up, like, a good intro or whatever. Um, That's Egwene rubbing Ben's microphone. Um, We obviously didn't write up a good, like intro and stuff and we'd have more things polished but you know do we have good vibes should ben not hold his mic and make horrible sounds in the middle of the episode she
1: touched it for a second and there's like a thousand strands of hair
0: okay but just put it down babe
1: i'm sorry i don't want to ruin the outro
0: okay that just it it makes a lot of bad noises
1: oh okay i'm sorry it's okay um (sighs) follow us on twitter (laughs)
0: Yeah, um, hopefully we'll be back soon. Um, for those of you who have read the two chapters of in P- nope, of pack that you probably expected to hear about this week, you'll know that I fucking want to talk about it, um, and I'm very excited, so hopefully, uh, we'll get back to that soon. It's, uh, not super clear, but yeah, uh, let us know anything you want to let us know about. Uh. Com-
1: comments, questions, concerns.
0: Yeah. Um. And, No, you.
1: So you can tweet me at bonobos (laughs) b e n o b o s e.
0: There's Uh, an e at the end. Yes. Okay.
1: And uh, you can mail us stuff at (laughs) my phone number
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Molly
1: edited those out. I hope. (laughs)
0: Um, you can follow Pale in Comparison on Twitter at Pale Comparison. And you can send us emails at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Um, you should donate to Doof Media um, at patreon.com slash doofmedia. There's a lot of really cool podcasts. Um, and Ben and I are hoping to start another one. We just bought this fancy mixer. Um, and so we could try to actually do this at all. So uh, your support helps us do cool shit like this and hopefully provide a lot more content. Um we're hoping to figure out a fun uh, bonus show just for patrons to reward all of you who do support us because we really appreciate all of you. Um, also support Wild Bo because he's great. Um, and Ben needs to read stuff.
1: Um I one more thing. Yeah. Your homework for the week is identify a bird in your neighborhood.
0: <laughs> what does identify entail, Ben?
1: Look at it. And figure out what it is.
0: Like what species? Sure. Okay. Um, Ben loves birds. So talk to Ben about birds. I'll try to get him to join the Discord. Um, Also, uh, Doof Media is currently hosting a contest. Um, It's the Wild Bow Costume Contest. So dress up like a Wild Bow character or concept or Wild Bow himself. And take a picture of yourself in that costume and send it to fan at doofmedia.com by November 4th. i um, really excited to see what y'all submit. Um, this is one of the most exciting parts of the year um, because of this costume contest, which sounds kind of silly, um, but we have a small but mighty fan community and it's nice to see it thrive. Um, shout out to, like tall and Tommy B I believe who hosted a meetup in Ottawa recently I would love to join someday uh if we get enough patrons maybe we can do like a doof con that would be awesome yeah (laughs) um
1: we could have a booth a booth at doof we could a doof booth
0: doof booth um, we'd have yeah, Doofboof's panels. Uh maybe we could get wildbo to come like tell us all about how fucking cool he is. Maybe we could get Stephen King, except not really. Um maybe we could maybe we could get Elliot and Ruben to fly from down under and share their thunder. Ben is totally checked out by this point. Okay.
1: <laughs> I thought you were doing your own outro. I'm oh, sorry. I don't know. I'm just I rambling. didn't realize there was a yes and <laughs>
0: Okay, y'all, yes, I've, and. I've realized it's hard to be the main host. Um, Jenny is always like, oh, no, I'm just talking. Stop me, Malia. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's fun that you're talking. But also, what if you just stop talking? And now I'm here and I'm just talking. Because, like, how do you end a podcast? I suppose you say thank you all so much for listening. Um, send love to my sister. And we will see you next time we do this.
1: Have a wonderful time.
0: Bye!